Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 209 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We'll jump into the episode right after a word from our sponsors. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first, and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances 
so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You may know Michelle Williams as one third of the superstar group Destiny's Child, but this week she's embarking on a brand new identity as an author with her brand new book, Checking In. In the past couple of years, Michelle has been more open in sharing about the mental health concerns she's experienced, and she's now using her platform to help others to have these conversations, to check in with themselves and others. Michelle and I chatted about the various parts of her identity she's had to navigate throughout her life the experience of managing depression while being in the spotlight, and keeping some things for yourself as a public figure. If there's anything that resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. Oh, thank y'all so much for having me. Like I said before, I'm a huge fan and supporter of therapy for Black girls. I think it's brilliant and it's so needed. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I'm very excited. Your book is out. Yes. May yes. 25th is the release date. Perfect. Perfect. And so it's called Checking In. And I would love for you to just start by telling us what you mean by checking in. Well, it definitely was a play on words as well, you know, from the time in 2018 where I actually had to check into a mental health facility. But I learned so much from that time going on three years later. And I added those three pillars to my book, checking in with yourself, checking in with others, checking in with God, no particular order. It's whatever way you want to do it. But I found that to be very restorative for me. Mm-hmm. And that's also the name of your podcast. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Just to normalize people being able to process their pain and their trauma, their transitions, even their triumphs, that it should really, really help one's mental health. Mm-hmm. So, Michelle, you know, I think a part of our difficulty or hesitation in checking in with others is that we are not always prepared for what they might say. And I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for how we might check in with other people and be prepared for the answers. Oh, absolutely. There's a few things. If I am going to check in with somebody to tell them how I'm feeling, I start off by saying, hey, how are you doing? Hey, do you have the emotional capacity to kind of listen to what I'm going to say, because this is just going to be go beyond. Hey, girl, how you doing? Mm -hmm. And if they say, oh, girl, yes, of course. Or then, you know, we go on to have the discussion. Now, if somebody calls me and say, hey, you know, I need to talk to you about something. I'm all ears unless I'm like literally like not in a place to talk. But you make it a safe place. You be a safe person for them. Listen don't come off with solutions because I'm a solutions-based person. The minute you tell me a problem, I'm going to go to Googling or I'm going to go to things off the top of my head that have helped me. But sometimes some people just want you to listen and then just empathize with them and say, gosh, I'm sorry you are going through that. Is there anything that I can do? How can I best serve you right now? 
Yeah, I really like that, especially around asking about people's bandwidth, right? Come um, on. Because we aren't always in the place to be able to, you know, even if we want to help or have good intentions, sometimes we're just not in a place to be able to do that for one another. Yeah. And you might not know to say, hey, do you have the emotional capacity? But like my best friend, she's married and she's got two kids of her own. She's running two dental practices. So I always make sure like, how's your day? You know, do you have a moment? Are you in a place to, to talk? And if she says, oh girl, yes. Or if she says, girl, I got to call you back. Then I take it as that and be like, okay. And we always end up connecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So early in your memoir, you talked about how you changed your name so that it was more palpable and more marketable for yourself. Can you share a little bit about what that felt like in the moment and how you maybe understand that decision today? Mm-hmm. So at that time, I am fresh in the group Destiny's Child. And that question was asked, let's consider you going by the name Michelle. It will be more marketable. And I really go into more detail in the book. I actually tell people the actual verbiage that was used. I can't give it away. <laughs> you got to check out the book for the you full gotta story. You got to check out the book, checking in to get the full story. But I was like, wow, okay. But I will say this, you know, like, did I want to really like not be in the group because of that request? You know, when you think of so many people in the entertainment world who go by other names now for whatever their reasons are, I don't know why say Chili is Rosanna. Her real name is Rosanda. You know, Sonny Hostins, you know, we find found out that Sonny is a derivative of like her actual full name. And I'm like, okay, well, Michelle, it is. Now it wasn't too bad because it's my middle name. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they just opened up a book of names and say, would you go by this name? It was a part of me. And so I think that's a part of me that made me feel better, but it did not make my mom happy at all. Mm-hmm. I named you Tanitra. <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am, you did. You did. But I think the initial reason why, I won't lie, it did sting. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, maybe at this stage of your career, you might make a very different decision about that, right? Absolutely. When Kamala yeah. Harris is our president, mm, vice president. Key, a vice president, <laughs> you know what? I've been saying that in interviews <laughs> and no one has corrected me. Ooh. Well, honey, we don't know in four years she could Listen, be. So I'm, I'm just and baby. I'm just speaking that she is, you know. And then my mayor is Keisha Bottoms. Mm-hmm. Keisha. You know, I live in Atlanta and it's amazing. And so I'm like, I probably would go by Tanitra. You've got Beyonce, Calendria, and Mm -hmm. Tanitra. So I don't know if at that time would people have been able to pronounce these names. I don't know. But like I said, the initial ask did sting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would imagine. And do you feel like there are any lessons from that or other experiences in your life that you've learned in terms of like advocating for yourself? Oh, absolutely. If a person makes you feel like you can't ask them questions to a request that they have of you or just it's not that you're questioning people. It's just you want to get down to the nitty gritty of the ask. And so but black women, some of us don't ask questions because like I've been called 
combative. I've been called aggressive. And it's like, I was just asking a question, you know, and this could be a further conversation. You know, I, the times where I've had to be a little more high pitched in my tone to, to make sure that a person receives me well, if I ask a question or my point of view differs from them. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us are very sensitive to those terms being thrown around us, right? You know, because that is how people want to see Black women, right? As aggressive and, you know, when we are just asking questions. Or it's like, I'm assertive, right? You know, why can't other races, like a white woman can say what she needs and wants and people be like, wow, she's so assertive and she just knows what she wants. But in my experiences as a Black woman, it's always been you're being combative, you're being aggressive, and it's almost just take what you can get. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, Michelle, I mean, I know for me, it feels like later in life, like I definitely feel like I have always been a little bit more outspoken. And if I see something going on, I want to talk about it. But I definitely feel like there are parts of my younger life where I wasn't as outspoken as I am now. I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you can share like what that evolution has been for you. Like, how have you reframed this idea around being assertive and combative in your life? Absolutely. And it takes wisdom. And getting the tools and how to say what I need to say and not feel bad for it. It's almost like writing that email, writing that text and putting your phone down to walk away, you know, until you can train yourself. And then I think at the end of the day, people will know your heart and your intention. Some act like they don't, but the majority of the people that I have in my life where I have to come in business with, Within three minutes, I can sense who you are. I don't judge you, but I assess and I use wisdom in every way, in every conversation. Mm -hmm. That kind of sounds like, you know, being very mindful about who's in your circle and who you really allow close to you. Oh, absolutely. And then there are going to be some people that you deal with just on a day-to-day basis. I can imagine, you know, on your podcast or the people you have to deal with on the business end of it, you know, just being confident and try to be as concise as possible in your needs. Yeah. So in the book, Michelle, you are very candid in talking about like your depressive episodes and your experiences with depression. And I would imagine given what kind of is common around, you know, people's stories around depression, there's these ideas that, oh, you have so much going for you. Why would you be depressed? Right. Can you share a little bit with us about like what it was like to experience depression while also having some pretty major wins in your life? Oh, absolutely. I tell this to everybody, you know, when people make that statement, it's like, you know what? I was dealing with depression before Destiny's Child. The music industry did not make me depressed. Destiny's Child did not make me depressed. This was something that I'd been dealing with since whatever the age is when you're in the seventh grade. That's when I kind of was like, I don't feel the way I think I should be feeling. And Mm -hmm. I got a diagnosis in my 30s. So for me, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for that time period of me being in music, it was an escape. It was medicine. The Lord blessed me with two solid friendships and women that I'd never had. So I'll first start off by saying that. But depression hits you no matter what race you are, almost no matter what age you are, no matter what socioeconomic background you reside in, honey. And it does not have a look. Mm-hmm. 
That is why people who die by suicide, there are so many people that say, wait a minute, we were just texting yesterday. We just went out for happy hour. It does not have a look unless you got that true spirit of discernment, like an old church mother that can see beyond. And I think that's what I try to do with people. I'm like, Lord, help me see beyond their smile if there is anything to see. Yeah. And can you talk about some of the ways maybe you masked that? Oh, absolutely. I'm a pretty outgoing person, but at the same time, I like to be indoors. (laughs) I think masking it by making sure everybody else is okay, because Mm -hmm. it would make me feel better knowing that, you know, oh, I know what it is. I could have said this in two minutes. Wanting to be needed. You know, that's that's, one. Yeah. Wanting to be needed. Mm -hmm. We can just unpack that, you know. And can you say more about like what the depression looks like for you? Because we know that depression symptoms look different for everybody. Oh, isolation, a lot of sleep, no appetite, losing interest in things that, you know, normally would make me feel good. I remember around the seventh grade, it was those symptoms. My grades were dropping. If it wasn't for a mentor that I had, I probably would have had to repeat the seventh grade. They didn't know everything that was going on, you know, because I grew up in a faith-based family. My entire family is also known for ministry as well as medicine, but we're known for ministry. My mother's brother, you know, was our pastor. Then he was consecrated as a bishop probably 15 or some odd years ago. And so you kind of had to put that smile on because people just know your family as this strong family or I'd get pulled on to sing. We know you can sing. We know what church you go to. Get on up here and sing. And you didn't want to let the family name down. We were just known as this strong family of ministry. Can you think about like, did your symptoms look the same in seventh grade as they did in like adulthood or did those symptoms change in nature? I think they were pretty much the same. The isolation, the fatigue, not wanting to follow through with commitment. And I think as an adult, you must follow through on your word. There are so many artists and public figures who are saying the same thing. Let me just get through this speech. Let me just get through this play. Let me get through the fourth quarter. We just play hurt, literally. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, in the book, you also talked about feeling like rage was one of your symptoms, which is not something we often connect to depression. But for a lot of people, and I think Black women specifically, like that irritability is sometimes a symptom of depression that we miss. Can you say more about that? Well, yes. Now, now that's a symptom that I did not have as a child was rage. I was Mm -hmm. not an angry child at all. And I'm not an angry woman. It's just, I think, you know... Depression and anxiety, they are responses, right? Is for me, they were responses. And the irritability was just one of the symptoms. And it's like, okay, well, how do I know that it's not hormonal? And ladies, that's a good thing to talk about too, is certain women, you could have PMDD. Our hormones, as far as for women are concerned, They just parallel so much with symptoms of depression as well. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, being on birth control for a number of years. 
you know, and sometimes I just look back and like, hey, did that make it worse? I know it added an extra chin hair that I always got to (laughs) pluck. Those symptoms can parallel. So I think that's how it can go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. So you almost got to go back to even, okay, what was going on pre-puberty? Were you abused verbally, physically? Because I didn't know how to cope. I had to suppress it all. You know, it's like, you're a church girl. You know, Jesus, you can't be sad. Everything Mm -hmm. is working out for you. More from my conversation with Michelle right after the break. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us. Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve, and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in stores to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? 
You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. How many times have you arrived in Orlando and suddenly realized you forgot the kids? But then you remember you had no intention of bringing the kids. You are in Orlando to enjoy yourself. It's an amazing opportunity to have fun and experience all the fun Orlando has to offer. Sure, Orlando is known as the theme park capital of the world, but there's so much more to this destination. It's the place where adults can become kids again, and happy hour happens any hour with never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, and outdoor adventures from zip lining to its beautiful natural springs. And, of course, fireworks every single night. Plus, you have loads of entertainment options, see unique neighborhoods, and can even visit their blossoming arts and culture. Orlando has everything for an amazing getaway with your loved ones or friends, including exciting thrill rides, lush, lazy rivers, and world-class golf and spas. Yes, there's more to see, do, and experience than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Can you share more about like what maybe navigating these conversations around mental health have been like in a family that is so strong faith wise? Like, was it something that was understood or was there some pushback around like, oh, you just need to pray harder? Dr. Anita Phillips is so amazing. She's a psychologist, but she's also a minister. And Mm -hmm. I've taken this quote from her and I've used it since prayer is a weapon. Therapy is a strategy. And those are for people who possibly are wondering, should I be a believer and go to therapy? Like, absolutely. You're a believer and you go get your mammograms. You're a believer and you go get your pap smears. You're a believer and you go to the doctor if you've had a cough that's turned into strep throat. So go ahead and do the same thing. Whatever your faith is, or even cultures, if you are African, Asian, Indian, you kind of suck it up is taboo in a lot of cultures. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I think the book is so important, right? I think it just goes a long way in terms of normalizing having these conversations. Absolutely. Normalizing the conversations, also normalizing and letting a person feel like they can say, I'm not okay. Now, I don't think you should be telling everybody, but just gosh, can we just normalize to where you have a person? Everybody needs their person. And hopefully that person too is a licensed, you know, clinical worker. Because there are sometimes too where I don't want to feel like I'm dumping on people. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm like, well, therapists, this is what they get paid to do is to hear you talk, but it's their job to even help you go to a step further by peeling back the layers, getting to the root of things. Some want to help you with solutions and treatments organically. And sometimes, you know, medicine is involved. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to something you said previously about the old church mother sometimes seeing beyond what's going on with someone. Can you say mm-hmm. a little bit more about what that might look like? 
you know, I've had some severe depression. I can almost smell it on a person. I can almost see it. And there are certain questions I can ask a person. And before you know it, they're opening up to me. And I'm like, I'm so glad you asked because I can sense that it's something you're going through. May I help you provide a resource that, you know, can help you find the therapist? Because I'm not licensed, but I do want to see people walking in wholeness and healing. I do want to see people being able to process their trauma and pain because a lot of what people are going through was inflicted at the hands of somebody else. And then there's a small percentage of our pain where it's been done at our own hands, right? You know, maybe we stayed in a relationship a little too long. We tolerated some abuse. We didn't get out when we should have, and that took a toll on your mental health. But I'm getting better at being in a place where I want to know beyond the sparkles. How are you really doing? Mm-hmm. And that might mean actually checking in with people when you know you have the bandwidth to go deep if they should share something that that's needs so that good. space. That's so good. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So can you share a little bit more about your thoughts about how we can communicate our triggers to our partners and family and friends mm. and other people in our lives? Absolutely. Communicating our triggers. That's that's another thing, because, you know, you might be afraid to tell that, especially if it's a romantic relationship out of fear of losing the relationship. That's what happened to me. I speak about my engagement ending and how I was like, man, I'm a 99% truthful person, but that 1%, I should have said something. So it's like nine times out of 10, your partner, they want to know what's going on with you, at least mine did. So I think it is very important to vocalize a trigger and say, this is something I want to work on. But when you raise your voice, even if it's just out of passion, because you're watching a basketball game, it brings me back to hearing my parents yell. I'm not saying don't yell, (laughs) you know, when LeBron makes that shot or Steph Curry makes that shot. Or when we're talking, don't raise your voice at me, period. (laughs) You know, let's work on keeping the levels down. Now, I have to work on that, y'all, because I'm a passionate person. So my voice elevates the more passionate I get. But it's not because I'm yelling my voice out of anger and aggression or to overpower you and to intimidate you. But that could really trigger somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really think that those are the kinds of conversations that can really bring you closer in a relationship, even Mm -hmm. though I think a lot of people are afraid of it. But it is really being vulnerable with this person. Absolutely. You know what? That's the thing. And I was like, transparency is telling a person what you've gone through. Vulnerability is being able to tell how you feel. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I've gone through depression or a breakup. Okay, I'm very transparent, but I've learned how to be vulnerable. Like, okay, let me tell you how I really felt when I went through it. Ooh, I didn't feel, you know, there's a difference between being transparent and vulnerable. Right, because a lot of us will come up with like a public story of how to share something. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Girl, yes. Yeah, especially something that you know you're going to have to repeat over and over. Like you get very rehearsed in sharing the details that make people feel like they know enough, but not too much. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but that could be a defense mechanism. Oh, yes. You know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So you already talked about, you know, like a major life transition just in terms of your engagement ending, but you've also had other major transitions, like, you know, the end of Destiny's Child, right? Like the group deciding that it wasn't going to be like performing and stuff anymore. Can you talk about what you have learned from these transitions about like redirection and conquering change? Oh, absolutely. You know, you want things to go on and on and on and on and on forever, but be ready for that transition, prepare yourself. It's kind of like, you know, that athlete that you're good if you can go beyond three years in the NFL, right? And so people aren't ready for those transitions. Same thing in the music industry. But lately there have been more tools for a person to have a little more longevity in music, sports, and entertainment. When I think of 21 years later, the work that I'm doing still feels like the first day. So that's a blessing to have some relevance and to still be working in a field that I love and now adding more purpose in another area that I'm really, really passionate about. But yes, if I'm going to be vulnerable, the ending of Destiny's Child, it saddened me. Oh my gosh. Because I felt like I was kind of just getting my stride and feeling like I'm an actual member now. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can you talk about like how that might have been processed with the group? Like, were there conversations around the ending? Not really. No, not really. Because I would have said, yo, what are we doing? What are you talking about? The end. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's a part of why I know I took it so hard because I didn't want it to end. And it's like, you know. You should have told me a year in advance. <laughs> <laughs> you needed a little bit of I need a little more time. Yeah. In addition to working together, you also have very strong friendships with your two other bandmates. And so how did that impact, like the end of the working relationship, impact the friendship? The friendship moved. It kept going. And, you know, we are very close. But it didn't take me long to process because I was like, okay, well, you were here for a short amount of time. The girls have been doing this since they were 11 and 12. So yes, it is time to transition. It is time to move on. And we've kept that promise of coming together every few years. And that's been a joy. But the real joy is the relationship that we have. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Kelly talked about how she gave us the Zoom link when she gave birth. I mean, you can't get no better and no closer and more intimate than that. Yeah, it's pretty intimate. Very intimate and very special. The reason why there's still access that we have to each other's lives, I think, is the respect and the ability as grown women. You know, we haven't had to have many conversations feeling wronged by the other. Matter of fact, we've never had an argument ever. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said from that. Yes, ma'am. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. More from Michelle right after the break. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity. That it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students 
for their academic and cultural achievements and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Forum believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Forum is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us. Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Are you ready for a family vacation you will never forget? One where anything is possible? If so, it's time to plan your getaway to sunny Orlando. Orlando really is the ultimate family destination. It's time to break out the matching bedazzled t-shirt, dust off your go-to dad jokes, and prepare for exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, and fresh new dining experiences, and so much more. Of course, you know that Orlando is the theme park capital of the world, with 15 of the world's top theme parks and water parks all in one place. And beyond the parks, there is also excitement and family fun around every corner. If you're ready to plan an epic Orlando vacation, but you're not sure where to start, you can talk one-on-one 
with one of their Visit Orlando vacation planners. In Orlando, anything is possible. If you can imagine it, plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. So what have you learned about yourself about how you prepare for major life transitions now? So you said you're somebody who typically needs a little bit more of a runway. You like to know when things are changing. And sometimes life affords us that and sometimes not. So what have you learned about about yourself in transitions now? Just accepting that transitions happen. My father passed away in December of last year. And it's like, well... Now, he was sick for a number of years, so and his transition was so peaceful and how I was able to process that. And then there are things that kind of blindside you, and I kind of deal with them in the same way, you know, because I refuse to go into a downward spiral. I, I have the tools on how to respond. And what are some of those tools for you? Some of those tools are, you know, stepping back from a situation, breathing, praying, you know, texting, you know, my therapist. Because so much healing has taken place, I don't want to do anything that defiles it. Am I human? Am I going to make a mistake along the way? Absolutely. Does anxiety still come? Absolutely. I mean, I'm in my book release week and I'm anxious. I'm like, is it going to do good? Are people going to like it? How well will it be received? And blah, blah, blah. All these questions, you know, that are legitimate questions, but I don't let myself ruminate on things anymore like I used to. Mm-hmm. That feels important, the mm-hmm. rumination piece, because mm-hmm. we can really get stuck there and like Girl, really do ourselves some damage. <laughs> get on that cycle, honey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, don't do that to yourself. You know, get somebody to process something with. But, oh, when I see somebody just over and over ruminating, meditating on something, woo, it's, yeah, it it's, heart, it's heartbreaking to see. It's yeah, because okay. it really yeah. exhausts you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So something that we have talked a lot about today, you know, in our conversation and that we talk a lot about on the podcast is maintaining boundaries. And it feels like from the very beginning, at least of your public life with us, you really were kind of set on having some stuff that was just for you and your family and some stuff that like was shared with the public. Can you talk about like how your boundaries have evolved and how you kind of make decisions about what kinds of things are shared publicly and what kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. stays within your inner circle. Absolutely. I just believe in honor. You know, there are even some things I share in my book as it relates to my parents' relationship and what I witnessed growing up. You know, that's a part of my mental health journey. But out of respect for them, there are just certain things you're not going to go into details about. That would be my mother's story to tell one day. I really feel like my mother could, you know, really help other caregivers you know, her and my dad were married 46 years with lots of ups and downs. And I think she could really be helpful, but that's her story to tell. As it relates to myself, I'm very wise on the timing and seasons in which I share certain aspects of my life because you can mean well, and you got to be careful. I'm careful of, you know, even the specifics of what I share details to, you know, in my book, I share as much as I possibly can, but out of honor for a lot of my relationships, you know, because it's not a tell all, by the way, I'm not a tell all type of person. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with telling you about an issue or a problem. You don't need all the details, but I give you the details that matter and what affected me and how I've been able to overcome and the healing journey that I'm still currently on. 
And how do you feel like you got to that place, Michelle? I think about, you know, there are likely going to be lots of like younger people who are excited to pick up a copy of your book. And it does feel like in the social media era, there is a tendency to want to share more. I'm wondering if you can share how you've developed to a place where you have this honor around Mm. what kinds of things are important to share and what Mm. kinds of things are not. You know, I think that comes from, you know, the industry, the time period in which we came up in. You know, there are certain things just media training wise. We were just taught not to share it. It's all about your music. Every now and then you give a little personal tip because people want to feel like they know you. People want to feel like they can relate to you. Like, I understand there are certain mysterious artists like Prince was very mysterious. Right. Mm-hmm. And you still loved his music. But some of his truths was also in his music. But I do feel like, you know, now we just have to use wisdom in what we share. I'm not telling you not to not share things. My mother thinks that what I share is TMI. (laughs) It's TMI. I said, and I know details that I've kept to myself and that I will keep to myself. Because if you want to keep access to me and verse versa, I have access to you. It's about honor at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Unless I have permission, unless you've given me permission to share a detail. Did you have conversations with family and friends in preparation for writing the book around like, okay, is it okay if I say this or not? Or do you just kind of go on your own like ideas about, you know, what kinds of things to keep sacred? Yeah, just kind of my own ideas because I didn't want anybody to shape Mm. my truths. And Mm -hmm. but I knew that I still will be honorable in sharing my story because there are people who might have hurt you and they didn't mean to, but they don't deserve to be put on blast either, especially when you've reconciled and the relationship is okay. And vice versa, I've done some hurting and, you know, but, you know, just as long as we're doing our part to forgive and say those words, I'm sorry, I apologize. You know, I make no excuses for my language towards you or my behavior towards you. It is Mm -hmm. my responsibility of how I respond to you. And I'm sorry. And those words, my mother would tell me sometimes, someone saying I'm sorry can be just as powerful as the person getting on one knee to propose to you. Mm. And are you having to have any of those conversations now, like as the book is preparing to be out in the world? Are you feeling like you need to have any conversation with people like, hey, okay, just so you know, (laughs) this is going to be shared? There are parts in the book where I say out of respect for my relationship, i I won't say this. There's nothing in there that I think is disrespectful. You know, there are certain names that I didn't even use. Mm -hmm. There are people still alive. There are people legacies to still protect. And that's just who I am. That is just who I am, you know, and nothing was done to me that warrants like an investigation or anything. That's different, you know, especially with my parents. And as they say, hey, you know, we were doing the best we knew how to do. That's like a healing salve for me, just those words, because our parents, they were going through their own traumas individually, the traumas from their families, you know, their siblings and their household. Then you're trying to raise kids and all of that. And, you know, there could be a lot that's said or done. Yeah. So you've already talked about some of the feelings that you're having as you approach release week. Can you say more about like how you're taking care of yourself and how you've taken care of yourself throughout the book writing process? Yes, ma'am. Literally pacing myself, taking times, pockets of time to, you know, watch my favorite shows if possible. I know today through Wednesday is impossible. (laughs) And then I'm just prepared for it to be 
a week of a lot of work. I'm prepared to just be tired. And that's the reality. <laughs> I can't sugarcoat it. I'm going to be tired. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you know, know what you're have... headed for. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So looking back on your life, I'm wondering if you have some ideas about what advice you might give to your younger self. Oh, definitely pacing yourself, trusting the journey, trusting process and time. Time is so important. And what you do in between the time in your transitions really is very important. Sometimes what you do while you're waiting is so important. Yeah, I tell myself that. Trusting mm. the wait. Yeah, those transitions can be a very powerful time in mm-hmm. our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I am so excited that we've had a chance to chat today, Michelle. Tell everybody where they can grab the book and what they should be uh-huh. looking forward to. Thank you so much. Like I said, it's been a joy to talk to you. And you can go to checkinginbook.com. That's just an easy link in it to tell you all the retailers of your choosing that you can get my book, Checking In. And you are having some incredible conversations with other people as a part of your book tour. Do you want to share more about that? I am. I have a book tour coming out and some of my favorite conversations, you know, I've got my friend, um, neuroscientist, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Taraji P. Henson, Lecrae, Miss Tina and Latoya Luckett, Dr. Anita Phillips, Daryl Walls. Let's see, Devon Franklin, Jen Lamore and Tamar Braxton, Tabitha Brown. Listen, these are amazing conversations that I am delighted for you guys to be able to see. Wonderful. We will be sure to share all of those details in the show notes. Good luck with your release. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, honey. Jesus, be a (laughs) eating pad and a a massage, a masseuse. (laughs) I'm so glad Michelle was able to share with us today. To grab your copy of her new book, Checking In, be sure to visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 209. Don't forget that if you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the sister circle. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for black women. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? 
Enter Conair Girl Bomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. 